Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, neck talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From Nerks to Nerks. Welcome to Nerks of the Hub. Our regular host isn't here today. They were last seen driving off in a black Impala with two very attractive brothers. We wish them all the luck. So I am your host today. I am Kelsey, and I am joined by Hub Rider Heaven. Hey, guys. And our guest, the handsomest Frankenstein's monster you've ever seen on your TV, Chad Michael Collins. Aw, shucks. <laughs> I feel like that competition is not very fierce, so... It, it might not the, be. I'll, <laughs> I will take the backhanded compliment. No worries. Oh. I could use it. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Chad. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, our listeners will know Chad from his Sony franchise movie, Sniper, Extinct, uh, Once Upon a Time, of course, and you have a ton of stuff coming out soon that we are going to talk about, so we are very excited. Uh, but first, we're going to start with some real hard-hitting journalism here. Um, as a military wife, i got to give you just a little bit of help. Um, I love your Sniper series. I am a huge military action fan. Mm-hmm. In Sniper Ultimate Kill, our <laughs> first scene with you... We see you at a funeral in your dress blues. And Chad, you got a face full of scruff. And I got to ask, how the hell did y'all get that past your military advisor? (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. uh, Sadly, you know, a lot of, and by the way, props to you. I was a journalism major in in college, so I'm all about the hard (laughs) questions. The truth. You can't handle the truth. I, um. Yeah, that was, uh, and, and to this day, me and the director talk, you know, Claudio Fay, and he was just so bummed out and disappointed because, you know, it's so crucial to get get as much right as you can in these military movies. You know, we do our best to pay homage, you know, homage to to uh, our men in service women, and you want to get it right, and, and that's half of our audience, you know, for these movies. So it, it's always a weird, tricky balance, you know, filmmaking, and and what looks good for a camera and relying on a foreign country, in this case, Colombia, to provide, you know, proper marine dress blues, which unfortunately, once we start rolling and shooting, we've only got three, four weeks to shoot it. So we're kind of stuck with the costumes that they came up with. So not to make any excuses, but, you know, we were bummed out and we knew a lot of stuff. Uh, in that case, in that scene, for instance, did not match up to military standards. And, you know, to this day, we're still very regretful and and, and feel bad about that. And we, we've certainly been called out and deservedly so and not to pass the buck. But, uh, you know, we, we, we had to shoot what we had to shoot and move on. But of course, you know, we let people down and we know that. And so on behalf of all of us from Sniper Ultimate Kill, our sincere apologies, obviously never meaning any disrespect, but, um, you know, sometimes that stuff sort of happens and it's a bummer when it does. So uh, I'll be honest, I sort of meant that to be light and uh, (laughs) now I feel really terrible. (laughs) 
No, I, I mean, look, you're right. It's, 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 you know, like I said, it, it is so unfortunate. And I, I know as an actor stepping into this and, and having played in four of these movies, um, I take it very seriously. You know, my military advisor, my technical advisor on set is my best friend. I'm glued to, to their hip, whether they like it or not. I want to get it right. I want to do everything that I can to tell the story of people who are out there living this, you know, in the, in the best most accurate way that I can, you know, obviously I've not done basic training and I've not seen real action. So we all do the best that we can and in telling these kinds of stories, but, um, you know, you want to get it right. And I, I think that our attention to detail is usually there, but sometimes wacky, crazy circumstances when you're running and gunning, you know, figuratively on these movie sets, uh, sometimes the ball gets dropped and, you know, you, you have to kind of forge ahead and, and, you know, ask for forgiveness later. That actually kind of makes me think of a question. You might not be able to go to basic training or boot camp per se, but do you go through any sort of military training? I, uh, we, we, you know, the sniper franchise is, you know, on the lower budget end. So we never really, we never get that little boot camp, you know, not even a real weekend. You know, we always have a great uh, technical advisor on set with us, uh, usually former military. We've had some wonderful ones uh, uh, on some past movies. Um uh, a guy named Patrick Garrity, who was a former Marine Scout sniper, and uh, Pete Stone, who's former uh, Marine, um, to name a few. And, and we've been very fortunate to to do that. So from day one, you know, we're I, we, a lot of the actors are just picking it up as they go along. But I, I try to do as much tactical training, technical training coming into it, so that I'm at least proficient. But you know, every day I show up on set for these movies, these guys know and and, and will forget more than I will ever learn just from having lived it and getting the training they have. So I, I approach every single movie as if I don't know anything. I don't even know how to hold a gun. I don't have any ego about it. I just want to get it right to their kind of, you know, specifications into their high standards. So unfortunately on the sniper movies, we, we don't get a little, um, you know, mini boot camp, but, um, I would love to. <laughs> That's super fascinating because actually I think we both assumed that you had, I mean, you, Obviously, I've done a you know a good job uh, aside from my one scene that I called you out on uh, <laughs> getting everything yeah. uh, well. I mean, even the just the movements and things like that. So, you know, from that, you're going to be in next week's shooter. Is that correct? I am. Yeah, tonight? yeah. I'm, I'm in an episode of Shooter next week, August 9th. So, did that help at all? Like having that experience going into that, or was it something you had to sort of? unlearned it's a different character yeah i mean uh, and it's the same with the sniper movies and i've been kind of enlightened in, in working with the actors that they do cast and understanding what that audition process is like you know and, and this is where hollywood is a little uh, interesting because you know we're auditioning for you know the drama and and they have this material from the script that's more about the character driven stuff you know it's not about like how comfortable are you around guns that's never part of the audition process which I think it should be, especially when you're hiring actors who have never held one before, you know, because it's like riding a horse. People say like, oh, I've never ridden a horse, but I'm willing to learn. But those are big animals. And a lot of times people just on the day are not comfortable around it. And we've we've had a little bit of that. And I do think it's for movies like this, it is too important to for, you know, an actor has to take this stuff very seriously, not just because guns are dangerous, even with blanks um, coming out the barrels, but just because it is so important, so crucial to these military action movies. Um, so unfortunately, 
No, you know, the, the people are hired based on their dramatic performances, but not necessarily about their comfort or even their skill level or understanding about about guns. So, you know, it's Hollywood. There's a little bit of a disconnect. And, you know, I'm proud of our actors. Most of them have risen to the occasion. And, you know, we certainly know which ones are, are eager to learn and which ones aren't. <laughs> but, you know, I think most people, you know, at the end of the day, have done a passable job on these sniper movies. That's a great way to look at it. You're right. I didn't ever even consider it from that perspective that uh, you're right. A gun is a killing machine and maybe not everybody really wants to have their hands on one all the time. Exactly. And you look at a movie like American Sniper, you know, a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, which was a fantastic movie um, based on the book about Chris Kyle. And I watched that and I loved it. But, you know, you're talking uh, one of our sniper movies, which, you know, rings in around three million dollars to film it. And that movie is probably anywhere from 75 to 100 to 125 million. So, you know, guys are getting the training for weeks on ends before they step foot on a set. So that, you know, that's the big difference. And, and, you know, sometimes, um, you know, that that obviously helps a lot. And and for sure, if you can get that kind of training, you know, the, the, the characters will be brought to truer life, I suppose. Honestly, that makes me all the more impressed at what you guys have produced without having had that background. Really, that's... Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, we also have 30 to 50 less days to, to film it. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the low budget filmmaking, I just joke that if you can do low budget anything as an actor in Hollywood, what you can do anything because <laughs> if you can do something for $3 million and make it good, make it serviceable, make it fun and, and interesting and passable. Imagine what you could do with 75 to a hundred and, and three times as many days to film it. You know, I applaud that notion. <laughs> well, the other thing I think with, with the sniper franchise that I appreciate versus so many of what we see the big action movies on TV um, as a as a woman, you have some seriously kick ass like female co stars, and yes. and I love that that happens. And and I think that I mean, there's like an actual story, and and they're involved, and it's not just pretty face on the side. And I love that. Right. And and so I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it's funny is is um, the second one that I ever did, uh, Sniper Legacy where I get reunited with my pops, Tom Berenger, uh, my female co-lead. And that was an actress named Mercedes Mason, who was uh, one of the the leads on The Walking Dead, or Fear the Walking Dead, rather, for a few seasons. Sniper Ultimate Kill, which came out last fall, my female lead was an actress named Denai Garcia, who is currently a lead on Fear the Walking Dead. So there's a really interesting Fear the Walking Dead connection with our sniper movies. And, um, you know, but, but both of them and all of our female leads have been phenomenal and and really great and and to be honest with you they've impressed me with their willingness to learn uh then then a lot of the male co-stars that i've worked with you know i think um being a dude you just think you can wing it and pick it up or whatever but you can't with a lot of this stuff it's very technical it's very specific and i know every every female actress who's come on to our films has been very, very, very much committed to learning and, and to doing the best job possible. And these are, these are hard shoots. It's a lot of action and a lot of, you know, you're going to get bumped. You're going to get bruised. You're probably going to get a little bloody, you know, and then there's accidents happen and stunts go wrong. And, and these are tough shoots, very physical shoots. So my hat's off to all of my female co-stars. I think they've delivered every time. So you have some pretty awesome female co-stars in extinct as well. Sorry to jump so quickly, but finished extinct and i was really mad <laughs> so many questions for me at the end i want oh. like, 
encore episode or something. You're not the only one. You are not the only one, Heather. Uh, yeah, so Extinct was, um, in, in all ages, for your audience out there, Extinct was an, uh, kind of an all ages action adventure sci-fi drama, uh, one hour drama that we did. And, and we did a fantastic 10 episode first season. Um, really wonderful. The response, the feedback, it, it was incredible just to, to get kids dressing up like us in Halloween and to have just the viewership always reaching out rabid, rabid fans just saying like, you know, our household is like eight to 65 and we all watch it together. And we're really proud of that. You know, not a lot of sci-fi and fantasy out there is that family of that family friendly orientation, but the script was great. And, you know, just being able to do something kind of, you know, the, the human race is wiped out. We're 400 years in the future. We got to play with flying drones, as you know, and all sorts of advanced <laughs> alien technology, but then also do a lot of flashback stuff to when the alien invasion invasion came and wiped out human beings. So we had a blast and we were really, really sad, you know, that, that we didn't get a second season um, for BYU TV. The network decided to go in a different direction. But we, you know, we our chins are held high because we checked all the boxes. Our, our fan base was huge and rabid and loyal and the word of mouth spread. And we were a success on every single level. But sometimes that's just the way this industry works. You know, it's it doesn't matter even if you are a success. Sometimes uh, someone. We'll just pull the plug. So hopefully we, we find a new home and we can keep going with it. But I do know Orson Scott Cardner and Johnston, uh, the co-creators, were planning on expanding the universe in, in novel form. So small constellation prize. Okay. But, um, you know, hopefully the, the story of Ezra and the gang will continue. So we might get answers someday. <laughs> shows come back because of fan outcry before. So, yeah a precedent to have this happen to extinct as well yeah i mean we're holding out hope you know and and, and it's it, it was canceled in july of, of this year or i'm sorry january of this year sadly and i know i know the uh, producers and the creators were trying to find a new home for it and you know there's not a day that doesn't go by where, where fans don't reach out to me and ah. still lament how disappointed they are that there's no season two and how much they really enjoyed it so it's very endearing and very sweet and Hopefully we can we can you know even try to do a two hour movie one day to wrap that. stuff up you know like in a way that timeless is yeah. is doing it to yeah, wrap up. rally and bring that back. It's great. That's right. Sense Eight did a great job of their two hour uh, extra special that they got as well too. So I think it yeah. would be exciting. You guys chance as well well it's it's you know i i get it it's you know we're, we're in a kind of art meets commerce and it gets a little weird and tricky when so many millions of dollars are at stake but at the same time you don't get to make any of this stuff without the fans and i i i think every single tv show contract going forward should be if you are going to cancel us you have got to give us one two hour you know window to wrap it up for our fans i i just feel like that's the ultimate respect that these uh, these people deserve showing up every week and supporting and tweeting and, and connecting on social media. It's just a, the honorable thing to do, I think, if you're going to get rid of a show of any capacity is to, is to you know, give fans that satisfaction. So who should fans be writing to to uh, <laughs> for you? Well, um, you know, like I said, BYU TV. Um, we, the interesting thing with Extinct was – 
we were greenlit excitedly by um, some, some people at high levels of, of the network. They really wanted to, you know, be a little bit more progressive and to really explore sci-fi as a way to talk about just the, the, the human themes of hope and love and redemption and all the things that we all go through in life in general. And everybody's very excited. We filmed it. Um, a lot of people that, that kind of greenlit us left. Um, new heads of network came in and, you know, unfortunately they just, uh, had a vision to take the network in a different direction and, and sci-fi, I just don't think meshed with that vision, sadly. Um, but you know, it's, I'll just say the reaction was, was pretty swift and pretty merciless from our fans, just hundreds and thousands of comments and tweets and just very, very upset that the show went away and, and, um, you know, BYU TV is not. It's not like NBC. It's not like Timeless. BYU TV is completely independently owned and operated. So they're not about ad dollars necessarily. They, you know, they're about a message and they're about conveying what they're about. So it really ratings does, don't even matter. It is about the overall direction of a network. So I know fans have done campaigns and petitions and, and certainly <laughs> – spammed the comment boards left and right. But unfortunately for now, it, it hasn't made um, a, a difference. And, you know, that's the way these things go sometimes, sadly. Well, BYU, if you're listening, I never even heard about you until Extinct. I didn't know you existed <laughs> until Extinct. Same. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the cool thing about our show. And that's the beautiful thing about sci-fi and why I'm such a fan is, is it's such a crossover you know, it's got such a crossover appeal, you know, people who you're right, have never heard of BYU TV where, where all of a sudden by the hundreds and thousands, we're downloading the app and becoming aware of the network. It's, it created such a bridge to their other content. And I think that's the magic of sci-fi really. It's, it, it brings people together in a brand new way and it's just a creative way to tell stories. So, um, yeah, well, you know, if anyone with BYU TV is listening, I know many, many people were heartbroken, even at the network because they were such huge fans. Um, but we were really loved and really supported and ultimately just didn't fit in the, in the big plans. So, you know, we'll see, hopefully extinct will become unextinct someday soon. See what the future holds for us. Yes. You know, that's a very, uh, we had, um, uh, Joseph Malozzi, you know, Dark Matter and Stargate. He was actually our first guest. And he had a very similar story about Dark Matter, you know, that it was sci-fi. You know, they had someone there at the network who loved them, was super into it. And then they left and the show got canceled. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of amazing as fans when we hear the stories about how, I don't know, I guess I, I just don't think we realized how political it can get or how like it just yeah. is so based on someone's whim. Um, it's true. Which just, yeah. is just crazy to us as fans. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. And you know, you've got a lot of people and, and like I said before, a lot of money at stake at these high levels. And so, you know, it, it can be political. It can be very bureaucratic. Um, sometimes it's just about black and red and, and numbers and figures and dollars and cents and moving advertising and, and ratings. And, and I get it. And it's, a, you know, there's no blueprint. There's no one way to do it right. It's all so subjective. And so sometimes we're, we're gifted with shows that stay on forever, like your supernaturals. And sometimes we're gutted by your shows that are canceled after one year, like, you know, extinct and so many others, Firefly you know, to name a few and <laughs> touchy subject. I get it. Firefly got a serenity. All right. So, yeah. Well, you know, the silver lining is, 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 you know, networks, um, are now having to 
uh, their shows. I mean, they greenlight the shows and they create the fan base there. And if they decide it's not for them anymore, it's so nice to see the Hulus of the world and the Netflixes of the world and the Amazon of the, of the world and so many of these other platforms stepping up to take over the properties and, 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 and keep the train rolling. And it's really cool. And it's really nice. You know, that, that was so rare so many years ago. And now it, it almost seems to be a commonplace thing. And that's just a testament to the power of the, you know, the voice of the fans to, to be able to have that impact and to keep their shows alive. Lucifer, you know, switching, switching, uh, home teams now, super cool. And that's all a result of the fans. I think this is the year of the of the fan takeover. Yeah, yeah. I really feel like maybe it's not the year, maybe it's the era because it's probably been going on for a couple of years now. But yeah. it's, fans are really taking charge these days and making their voices heard. And they've got more choices than ever, which basically means their their opinions and their preferences are more important than ever. You know, it's what's driving. It's what's going to mean the survival or the extinction. Not to use a bad pun of uh, of a lot of these <laughs> network platforms. You know. If you're not paying attention to what these fans want, then they have choices, you know, and they'll go somewhere else. So it's cool. It's a very empowering time for for fandom. So, all right, we want to talk about your new movie that you have coming out, uh, Howlers, which just, I mean, has a very basic description is all that's come out so far. Uh, Werewolf bikers, and you're an old West gunslinger, (laughs) and we are so on board for all of that. So what can you tell us about Howlers? Yeah, Howlers, uh, we're all very excited about Howlers. And um, Howlers was this little movie I got a call about uh, two years ago. And uh, uh, the writer-director, a guy named Josh Ridgway, he wrote this script. And um, we filmed it all around Dallas, Texas. And, you know, we shot it for very low budget, as is typical for horror movies. Um but we came, we made a pretty great, really super fun movie. That's really, it's an action horror Western is what we've been calling it. It's kind of a throwback to like the John Carpenter type of eighties movies that we all loved, you know, back in the day. And you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. No one likes a horror movie that takes itself too seriously. So there's a lot of camp and I, um, the storyline is basically I, I play a character named Colt and I'm, um, kind of an old West cowboy gunslinger. Uh, from the Civil War era. And, you know, the movie has a lot of flashbacks and else mostly takes place in the present day. But basically, I my family was slaughtered by werewolves. And so I kind of become a werewolf hunter. And when I think I've kind of gunned down the last of them, I uh, take a dirt nap. And, you know, the story of Howlers is kind of told in the present day. And not only do I find myself kind of resurrected, reanimated, in the present day, but I also found out that the the most vicious gang of, of werewolves that I hunted down is, has also been kind of transported magically to the present day. So the hunt kind of begins all over again in the present day, me versus these lycanthropes. However, you know, I'm over 150 years old. I don't know what a cell phone is. I've never seen a truck before. So there's a lot of like kind of inherent humor of, of Colt kind of floundering in the modern world um, while trying to kind of complete his mission. And we meet meet all sorts of wacky characters on the way, like the wonderful Sean Patrick Flannery, who's so he's so fantastic in this movie. I can't wait for people to see him <laughs> who plays the mayor of this small town where this with it, where this all goes down. And, and we have a great supporting cast, an actor named Tom Zembrod plays Willie Price, who's the leader of the uh, outlaw werewolves. And yeah, we've got 
you know, hot rods and we've got choppers and we've got, you know, <laughs> custom bikes. We've got everything. We've got crossbows, double axes, pistols, guns, rifles, <laughs> you know, Remington's Colt 45s. We got, we got the black cowboy hat and cowboy boots. We've got the whole nine yards. So it's, it's really fun. I'm very excited for people to see it. You make it sound like even a scaredy cat like myself. <laughs> this movie <laughs> you know it's 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 one of those horror movies that's like it's not gonna make you kind of wet your pants horror movie you know it's not one of those it's one of those horror movies that it's like yeah the, the werewolves when they get a hold of someone there's gonna be some blood it's kind of that so it's not kind of like spooky spooky elements but because it deals with the supernatural um it is it is for sure we we've got some pretty brutal fight scenes and, and a little bit of gore and 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 some werewolves doing some nasty things to some human human victims. Um, but other than that, it's not, um, it's not one of these terrifying psychological thrillers, you know, horror movies that always make you jump. This is more of, um, you know, on the action side of the horror. Well, you did a great job of describing it. I'm excited. (laughs) So when you're doing these like sort of gory, (laughs) what you're talking about, I mean, is there, is there been a point when you're like, Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> Even though you know it's fake, like you're just like, oh, oh no. I t- I'll confess as an actor, like one of the worst parts of the job is, is having to deal with fake blood because it's just a corn syrup base and it congeals and it stains. And uh, it's just it's very unpleasant and very fun. And uh, but the only way to, to get it off is to scrub yourself down with endless baby wipes. So it's really <laughs> it's really not fun. But luckily, Holt doesn't get too bloody and, and doesn't get his hands too, too dirty with the blood. But the werewolves for sure, uh, you know, had some scenes where they were covered in it. And um, I don't know, they, the werewolves look so cool. We had a great effects artist, you know, down there. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen some of the promos and some of the coverage we've gotten online uh, for the movie. But, you know, the werewolves turned out so cool and so fun. And then you put them on, you know, these motorcycles that are all custom jobs, $100,000 plus that we, we had a lot of cast and a lot of friends down in Texas who, who loaned us their bikes or rode their own bikes. And it was really, really kind of a fun, unique take on your traditional kind of uh, werewolf movie. And how did you get involved with Howlers? Yeah, uh, uh, Josh Ridgway, um, uh, he was a fan of the Sniper franchise. And so when he was putting this movie together, I um, I got a call and referred through a mutual friend and I read the script and I was like, this is why I became an actor. This stuff oh. right here is what you say yes to all day long. So I was absolutely on board and just very fortunate that he had watched some of my previous work and and uh, offered me the role of Colt. And, you know, we got big plans. So we're launching this one. Hopefully we're waiting on a release date, but we're hoping to get this out around Halloween time. It's not official yet, and um, but we got big plans. You know, we want to do more. We we want to. We, we're looking to develop a comic book to build out the universe oh, that cool. dives into you know cult in the in the Civil War era. We're looking to do all sorts of fun things with, with this franchise because we think it's got that kind of potential. That would make a great comic book. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. We've I like got that. Is cooking. That's cool. Well, definitely. I mean. You ever have like that face and the voice for like that cowboy, you know, like that sort of like <laughs> gunslinger growl thing. So I could see how that would be <laughs> right up your alley. So well, thank you. Thank very you, excited. Miss. So um, I wanted to ask about you have also two Christmas movies coming out. Uh, 
Christmas. Completely off the genre. Yes. You're like jumping a little bit. Christmas Muse and Christmas Cabin. And let me just say that we are both really hoping that at least one of those is a romance because in particular, uh, episode six of Extinct, there's this moment and you're like talking to your wife and there's this like husky voice like I'm very good at studying your face like line and we both went (laughs) why hasn't he done romance so please tell us at least one of those Christmas movies is a romance well I mean honestly I don't know that I've ever seen or been in a Christmas movie that wasn't romance um so (laughs) yeah so this one is um yeah this is great and you know we don't have um I don't know which networks I'll end up at. One might end up at Ion. One might end up at Hallmark. Um, but one is like a really funny, almost rom-com style. It's called the the Christmas. I think it was called the Christmas Cupid uh, about a about a dating app. And the other one, I think that name got changed to the Christmas Muse. Really, literally had a great time shooting that in Louisiana. Really funny script, super charming. Uh, I really, really excited for that one to come out. And the other one was uh, called The Christmas Cabin. And hopefully that comes out on Hallmark or something similar uh, around Christmas time. And, and we shot that in Utah on a, a mountain 11,000 feet up. The film directors, creators, producers had a family cabin up there that we literally shot at when it was covered in four feet of snow. So we were snowshoeing around this beautiful mountain backdrop and then we waited for the snow to melt and we went back up there and decorated all the interior of the cabin, Christmassy. So both of them are, are very charming movies and we're, we're blast to shoot and, and hopefully I'll have more information about those when they come out in December. But, you know, there's a, there's a romance in the air in both of them. That's what I will say. Hashtag swoon. swoon. <laughs> <laughs> You never realize how rapidly popular Christmas movies are until you tell someone that you're you did a Christmas movie. It's unbelievable. The people that will fully admit that all December, that's all they do is watch Christmas movies. And you're like, you? Wow. (laughs) That's that's I didn't see that coming. But okay, people are just, you know, into it. Uh, I will tell you that Lucas, the guy who uh, will edit this. Uh, one of our NERC partners is like, whoo, that is his thing. And he will be very, yeah. very excited. Awesome. It's it's funny because when I first, I mean, when I was dabbling in acting, and I, I, I did not set out to L.A. to become an actor, but I kind of eased and fell my way into it. But one of the first things I ever did was a movie called The Christmas Card on Hallmark. And this is like 2007, 2008. It was one of my first acting experiences. And, uh, it's, and I did another one after that shortly after that. And then, and it's kind of been like 10 years in between. So it's kind of nice to kind of get back in that fold and, and, you know, do some projects that your grandmother and your parents can watch without having to leave the room. So, uh, it's always, it's always nice to be able to tell them about those projects. I never took myself as a Christmas movie kind of person. And this last Christmas, I think I watched every Christmas title that Netflix has <laughs> okay. that came out in the last two years. And I fell down the Christmas movie rabbit hole. I mean, you're <laughs> like, not the only one from what I'm hearing. <laughs> so those ones don't come out until December, obviously. Right. But we have been talking about Mamba and how well that's doing on um, the circuit. When do we get to see Mamba and what can you tell us about it yet? Yeah, my friend uh, Sonali Castillo, um, she's a good friend of mine. She wrote 
directed starred in this it's very it's like a super sexy spy thriller you know kind of a throwback to alias i don't know if you were big fans of alias uh jennifer garner show uh i was a huge fan of that show um so she wrote this really kind of uh, sleek um just very very kind of hypnotic very 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 cool very very kick-ass uh and it's a short film it's about i, I it might run in about 10 to 15 minutes so she she did this and it was an unbelievable group of people that she got to do this she did t- all of her own stunts and action and you know hand-to-hand fighting and, and gunplay and everything else and you know it's about uh a spy who was left for dead and, and has kind of um, come out of nowhere to take her revenge. And so I am um, the, the one thing I can say is I play a character who is morally questionable, uh, who may or may not get his, their revenge taken out on. So, okay. <laughs> so we'll leave as vague as possible, but for sure it was fun for me to kind of step into uh, I would say he's more of a more of a fashionable high end gangster, you know, with all <laughs> the weirdness and all the weird tastes and uh, proclivities and deviancies that come with it. So it's it is kicking butt on the festival circuit right now. But I mean, when do you? I mean, do you know by any chance when that will come out so that people who can't go to the festivals will see it? <laughs> For sure. I, I believe uh, Sonali said that we're going to have like an L.A. premiere um, and a screening of that. And I think from there on, it'll be online. Um, I don't know if it's if it, it'll be free or if you can buy it. I'm not sure. It might just be free. She might just pop it on a website. Her goal with this whole thing was to uh, uh, do a feature version of this, of this world, of these female spies and stuff like that. And, and, and you're right. She is just killing it on the festival circuit, you know, best actress, best director, best stunts, best action, best drama. She really is. I mean, every single day she's posting, you know, some kind of new, you know, cover art with like those little palms, like winner, 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 winner. (laughs) So I'm really proud of her and really proud of it. And, and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully it's, it gets enough eyes on it that, uh, someone says we got to make this movie 90 minutes. That whole concept is new to me. So it's really cool to hear, um, kind of what happened and where she's wanting to go with it too. Cause I never would have known or guessed. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's typical. It's you know for a lot of people who want to um, get their own projects off the ground, it can be a pretty common common thing for someone to create a small web series or something very cheap like a short film. Well, not very cheap, but you know ten or fifteen thousand dollars is a lot cheaper than that. That you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars it takes to do a feature movie. So, so you know hopefully that's and, and it becomes a, a showpiece. And if you create a really great short film and you clean up on the festival circuit, now you can walk. Uh, this into investors and curious people and say, hey, look what we're able to do with so little. Imagine if we got some money behind us and imagine what this could be. So it's a great tool, you know, and and hopefully I, I have no doubt this is going to serve her so well and we'll come back and do a bigger, better one for everyone. That's great. Awesome. So uh, you have, <laughs> Heaven and I are really into new show on the CW, The Outpost, which you seem yeah. to have a lot of connections to. <laughs> 
So, uh, if they get a season two, are we going to see you, you know, kicking butt or getting your butt kicked on the outpost? I mean, yes, the outpost. I am. I'm an episode or two behind, but of course I'm watching because my extinct co-star Jake Stormone plays the hunky, handsome knight Garrett Spears on that show. And, and, and Sona Lee Castillo, yep. who uh, is the genius behind Mamba, will be joining that show. I think she, she appears episode five or six in a really, really cool role that I've, I'm seeing pictures about and hearing about. So, uh, but I, I, I love, I mean, what a dream role. Extinct was a dream role just because it's, it's sci-fi and, and I just love that stuff. But second to sci-fi or maybe even in first position is fantasy for me. And I'm such a night nerd. I've always been obsessed with knights and to see Jake in that like plate armor, I'm like, dude, <laughs> you win. You are the winner, my friend. So I'm really enjoying it and I'm super proud of him and everybody involved. I'm friends with the executive producer and he's a great guy. Uh, so I'm happy for their success. And, you know, we, we were in talks on season one about kind of joining in the cast and coming up and playing. But there wasn't really a role that um, would have lasted uh, more than an episode without a sword getting run through him. So, um, <laughs> so. It was very gracious and kind for the, of them to save me for something hopefully more significant. Um, so if season two comes around, uh, maybe you will see me, hopefully. Um, maybe I'll be Jake's friend. Maybe I'll be his foe. Yeah. Either way, it'd be fun and it'd be great to play with him again. Well, you got to be both an extinct yeah. friend. That's true. Both things, so. <laughs> very, very true. That's uh, that's okay. So we both sort of did like a – because we've seen – I think you have a lot of the same fans. I probably from extinct, you know, then following sure. Jake over there and seeing all these tweets. And I was like, wait, I don't think he's in this, but people keep talking to him. And, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. 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 So yeah. I think it's just, it's really natural and you should just definitely be in season two. <laughs> well, my goodness. I mean, they've got my number and we've already talked, so we will uh, hopefully sort that out. But yeah, you know, I, I'm great friends with Jake. I just saw him the other week and, and we, we keep in touch and talk all the time. And, you know, I'm always kind of throwing the love out there for him and, and, you know, fingers crossed these guys get a season two and then we can see what kind of a wacky character they want me to come up and do. I like it. You guys both are on the, um, how shall I say it, the nerdy spectrum a little bit. You like your sci-fi okay. and fantasy. He plays D&D. Do you guys Let's play games? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, me and Jake actually just started getting together with a small group of people to start playing in uh, Magic the Gathering tournaments at a local uh, comic and hobby shop. <laughs> So we've all we've all rekindled our nerdy passion for Magic the Gathering, which we have all continued to play on and off for the years. But we've got a, we've got a growing group of like magic players, like from the industry, actors, producers, writers, writer friends. And, and we're all starting to get together way more regularly and playing. So that's just once uh, I've been like Jake, I've been playing Warcraft for about eight years. I don't even know, maybe 10 years at this point. Um but, I, you know, I grew up with, with comic books, which I still read to this day. Um, I, I grew up, you know, loving everything from He-Man and G.I. Joe's to in cartoons to, you know, the, the comic books and then reading tons of, you know, Lord of the Rings and like Stephen King horror novels and I just you know, Dungeons and Dragons books and the Shannara books. Like, I, you know, I, 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 I 
I've forgotten more of the nerdy stuff that I've been into than I can even remember. So <laughs> let's just say it's not away anytime soon. You are like, I swear, like every <laughs> fangirl out there is melting right now. <laughs> not even, it's like the mythical, like really attractive still very personable, super geeky guy that just doesn't exist. And yet you're right there. And it feels a bit like a, like a unicorn. <laughs> uh, I mean, I prefer a Pegasus, but you Pegasus. know, if we got to go unicorn, I'll be Jake can be the unicorn and you can be the Pegasus. That's fine. <laughs> Learning that you play Warcraft and Magic the Gathering is just as shocking to hear as like if you heard Stephen King likes Christmas movies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe. It's strange because, you know, as you guys know, like nerddom, fandom, geekdom is the new normal and it's the new cool. But like when I was growing up, I still rocked the comics and I still played. I mean, I went to football practice as captain of the football team. And then I went after, you know, football practice to the library and played Magic the Gathering with my friends. So <laughs> this has always just been me, you know, yeah. and I, I really I never thought twice about it. And I, I don't know. I just I still play sports and I'm in a basketball league to this day. I love boxing. I love all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, you know, to wind down every night, like I've got I've got the comic books going and I'm turning pages. I'm, I'm, I'm reading Dune right now. Like, it's just oh, that one's so good. I, this past week, I finally just beat Baldur's Gate 2, like a retro, you know, PC game. So I really in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So. <laughs> You know, I, this has always been my balance. This has always been my 50-50 mix. And, you know, it's just me. And I think there's a lot more like me out there than people know. But, yeah. you know, we've all been doing this for a long time. <laughs> so we heard that at Comic-Con, you were walking around with a free hugs sign. Is oh, that wow. the truth? Uh, this, is a, this is a fisherman's tale getting larger and larger. No, I, I just made a post that I was like, Hey, I'm going to be like on the floor. I'm going to be hanging out a booth for five or six hours. Come by free hugs. That was it. I didn't have a sign or anything like that. It was just kind of a post that Did I put on there. On. Did anybody come by and take you up on that offer? Oh, I hugged everybody who came by for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the cool thing about that is like, you know, once upon a time fans, um, are, are, are mostly the people that come up and say hi, you know, and I just, I just did the one episode, but it was a great episode. It was a memorable one and we almost did more, but something went down where it didn't happen, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I'm still surprised that people remember, you know, that was season two and it went seven years. So that they remember that episode and that they're so excited, you know, for a one-off character, I think that's rare. So it's been very, it's very, very charming. And, you know, I had this cute young couple from Malaysia. They flew all the way from Malaysia just to take in Comic-Con. And I was like one of their first stops when they saw that I was going to be on the floor. And so we hugged it out and we took videos and we signed some pictures and everything else. So I just love it. It's it's great. It's super cool. Um, we don't get to do what we do if we don't have fans like that. So I love engaging with them all on Twitter, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, and, you know, the chance to meet him in person is, you know, it's, it's a gift and I, you know, I really enjoy it. And hopefully I have more opportunities to, to meet and, and, and thank and hug in person. These, these people who are responsible for me getting to do what I love to do. You know, you are just a tr of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fabulous. And and you were memorable. I mean, and that is I 
I am a oncer myself. So it's heaven. We're actually going to um, the once upon a time convention in Burbank in November. It'll be our both the first time. So Burbank, California, my neck of the woods. I haven't heard of that one. I I've been invited to a few, um, but uh, strangely enough, I I mean, trust me, I was I was. All the T's were crossed and I's were dotted and, I, and the plane tickets were booked. And then every single time I was invited to come, I had to go off and do a sniper movie, you know, and it was just the weirdest thing. The timing, I had to miss two of them. So I, I think I am going to one in London uh, next summer, which is a ways away. But, yeah, I'll look into the one in Burbank. I mean, yeah, Burbank. It's, a, it's a creation con, I think, uh, mid-November. Yeah. yeah. So we're uh, that should be the first time we meet either. Uh, in person as well so we will definitely come and find you if you're there but we you know once upon a time fans tend to be I think sort of similar to Doctor Who fans and that like you can be a one-off character and we're like we have your entire backstory written in like fan fiction and (laughs) definitely with you know being Frankenstein's monster and particularly handsome one um you know I I'm interested in what you said like that there was supposed to be more because when we leave you sort of huddled on the floor and like Victor's leaving. Yes. I love them. I may have seen Mm -hmm. the season a few times. Um, and it was one of those that everybody was like this thread that just got dropped that you always felt like there was going to be more. Yeah. And it was certainly set up that way. Right. Um, but you know, apparently I'm still years later locked in that dungeon room. (laughs) I wonder (laughs) if I'm being fed. Maybe not. Uh, I don't even know what I eat. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think, and, and again, I can't speculate to, to what happened with the creators and, and everything else, but I know that David Anders, um, went on to do I zombie and, you know, I mean, Gerhard Frankenstein is really, he ain't got much going on without his brother. So, you know, if, <laughs> if, if David never really came back to the show and they didn't lock him up and make him a regular, you know, he's going to go and, and, uh, work on something else, which he did. And, and I love David and I wish we could have gotten to do more, but I think it was left open-ended to a point, but you know, business is business and actors got to eat. So, you know, it all makes sense. So unfortunately it was, um, you know, the tale of Gerhard Frankenstein will, will only live on in fan fiction, sadly. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> so. oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But I got to be honest. I mean, uh, all the fans from all the projects I've done have been fantastic. But the ones are fans are incredible. I mean, I one lovely woman made a it would custom Gerhardt Frankenstein Funko for me and sent it to me. It was absolutely. If you look at my Instagram post, I took pictures. It's un- unbelievable. And. I had someone craft a special tea that was good for heart health because Gerhardt and his magical heart, that was like the whole theme of stuff. It was, I just had more, you know, sweet, kind words and, and interesting, unique gifts, you know, given to me, you know, from Oncer fans that I have experienced for almost any other project. And it's, it's just lovely. And it makes it even more sad that the show, the show has ended. So hopefully we'll live on and, and at the cons. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. People are very, um, we tend to be pretty fanatic about it, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was it was magical. I mean, it was um, a show about love and family and hope and um, sort of like you talk about with Extinct fans. You could watch it with the whole family and, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. 
It was. And, you know, I was always, I mean, there's, you know, a, a very female heavy viewership of it, but even the males and like, you know, the, the, the Disney stuff, it just shows you how influential those characters, those stories were for so many people in so many walks of life. And it was always so interesting to meet everybody that it kind of touched. So yeah, they kind of struck gold with that. And it was a really, really wonderful, magical thing. And ah, maybe, maybe a spinoff, maybe something will come back and, and around. It's, you know, stranger things have happened, right? That's true. That's true. I really enjoyed the spinoff they already did of that one. I would be thrilled to have another. <laughs> I think you. I think millions of other people would be too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely true. not alone in that sentiment. <laughs> well, I think we're about done here. Anything you would particularly uh, like to say to the fans? Uh, uh, well, thank you. And always come visit me uh, at social media. I'm, I'm pretty active across all of them. Facebook, you know, it's Chad Michael Collins, Instagram and Twitter. It's Collins Chad M. Come say hi. I try to give everybody airtime and, and everybody, uh, you know, virtual hugs until the, we get to meet in person. So it's um, it's an open invite to anybody who wants to come and play. And of course I'm always trying to keep people updated on my projects. So hopefully we'll, we'll have howlers ready to rock for you guys, uh, in Halloween and, and then some, some Christmas movies, uh, come December and, you know, maybe down the road we'll, we'll hear more about extinct and, and maybe another sniper movie. And, and, um, hopefully we, we need another sniper movie to make up for the mistakes on the last one for you. For everyone else too. Yeah. They're, they're fabulous. Well, uh, we will definitely follow you wherever your career goes. We can't wait for all the, all the movies, especially howlers. I'm super excited about that. Um, and thank you again so much for coming on. Well, thank you. I know you guys are getting this podcast off the ground and I'm honored to be one of your first guests. So yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Much success. Carry on. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. All right. You too. You just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub, produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page, both at TV Series Hub. Send us a message. Nerd proudly.